Greetings. This is Bible Time with Jane, and I am Jane, your host. We are continuing our series in the book of Acts, and today we will look at chapter 4, verses 13 through 31. We are still talking about the day when the disabled man was miraculously healed by the power in the name of Jesus. If you remember, he was ecstatic with joy. And as the scripture says, he went walking and leaping and praising God. It was such a wonderful day for him. Suddenly his life that had been filled with hopelessness and despair was suddenly changed to hope and a bright, productive future. Peter and John were also filled with joy. And they began to talk to the people about Jesus. Yes, Peter reminded them that they had crucified their Messiah. But then he quickly used this opportunity to invite them to repent of their sin and to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He said in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This statement always reminds me of another one found in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, which says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified to in due time. And again, in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 13, we, we find this, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, let's turn now to our passage that is before us for our study today. Acts chapter 4, beginning with verse 13. The word of God reads this way. Now when, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves saying, what shall we do to these men? For indeed, a, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them, that from now on they speak to no man in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. 
for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So, when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over forty years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God, who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats. And grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. The Sadducees, the Pharisees, the scribes, teachers of the law, elders, all those who had made up the Sanhedrin, which was a body of 72 top, of the top religious rulers in Israel, well, they all agreed that they could not speak against what had happened that day. It was obvious to all. It truly was a miracle that they could not deny. They knew the man. All those standing around knew this man and were well acquainted with his story and his struggle in life. To see him standing there with Peter and John completely and fully healed, well, the Sanhedrin could not challenge this miracle. But they were very anxious about this situation. Because with this miracle that was done in the name of Jesus, the people would soon turn to faith in him. Because they knew that only God could heal a man who was lame from birth. As we read, Peter and John were asked to leave while the Sanhedrin discussed the best way to handle this situation. It is notable that the scripture says that they had observed that these men, though they were fishermen by trade and therefore unschooled in scripture, yet they spoke with certain boldness and authority, being composed and confident in their defense. This is a testimony that they had spent time with Jesus and had learned from him as one learns from a rabbi. Added to that, we remember that recently they had also been filled with the Holy Spirit, who equipped them with power from on high. 
I like the way Dr. Ironside explains this. He writes, They could see the evidence of their association with Christ in the firmness of their faces, in the boldness and bravery in standing against the people who crucified the Savior. And the more you and I associate with Christ, and the more we spend time with him in prayer and in reading his word, the more people will take notice that we have been with Jesus. And this is true. Spending time with Jesus in prayer and worship, spending time in the word of God, will make a dramatic difference in your life. It will be seen in your countenance. It will be heard in your words. It will be evidenced in everything you do. The word of God will guide you into all truth. It will encourage your heart. It will counsel you. It will direct your thoughts and search your heart. Mm, I love the way the psalmist puts it in Psalm 19. Beginning with verse 7, he writes, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. The Apostle Paul also adds this in Second Peter chapter 3, verses 16 through 17, where it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Another thing that is worth noting is the absence in their discussion about Peter's teaching about the resurrection of Jesus. Now remember that the Sanhedrin included many members of the Sadducees. They were the ones who did not believe in the doctrine of resurrection. And on many occasions, the Sadducees had challenged Jesus or tried to trap Jesus with questions about the resurrection, hoping to disprove his teachings. However, Jesus always responded with truth and wisdom, and they were always reduced to silence.
So on this occasion, although Peter had been talking to the crowd about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, all these men could focus their attention on was the fact that once again Jesus was the center of attention and they were losing their influence over the people. So something had to be done. Therefore, they came up with this wonderful idea. They would simply command Peter and John to never say the name of Jesus nor teach about him. Just the very thought of this plan reveals the great measure of pride they had in themselves and the exalted position they held in the nation. Just because they said this, they expected to be obeyed without question. However, because they had refused to acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus Christ, they could not see that his was the much higher authority that Peter and John were answering to. I love their response to the Sanhedrin. Peter said, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. This was a defining moment for Peter and John, and it was not a difficult choice for them to make. The truth of what they had to share filled them to overflowing, and they simply could not keep silent. Just imagine what it would have been like to have seen all that they had seen and to do all that they had done. Jesus doing daily miracles, great and small, that were so numerous that they could not be counted. Over and over, we read in the gospel accounts that great multitudes came to Jesus wherever he was at, day and night. People were healed. People were delivered from demonic possession. People were raised from the dead. Everywhere Jesus went for three and a half years, the disciples were there with him, seeing it, experiencing it. And then he would send them out giving them authority to also do these types of miracles. And then they would return to him and he would teach them and counsel them and train them into deeper works of ministry. And speaking of teaching, these men learned scripture from the master, the one who is the word of God become flesh, as John wrote in his gospel account. Jesus knew scripture and he knew and understood the heart of Scripture. This he faithfully taught day and night, both to the multitudes and then later to the disciples at the end of the day. Just imagine what it would have been like to have seen all of that, heard all of that, and participated in a three and a half year ministry with Jesus. But that isn't the end of the story, because they were there when he was arrested and taken away to be crucified. Jesus died. That was the darkest moment in history. But then Jesus rose from the dead. Oh, glorious! And they were eyewitnesses to his resurrection and his ascension to heaven on high. And now they have been filled with the Holy Spirit. Their lives have been forever changed. There is no way that they could keep quiet.
Jesus is alive. Jesus is everything he said he is. Jesus is still doing miracles, and this man standing in their midst is proof that Jesus is alive, and he sits at the right hand of the throne of God. So no, the disciples would not obey this command coming from the Sanhedrin. They had a high command coming from a higher authority, which is this, Acts 1.8. Jesus said to them just before he ascended, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus gives to them what we call the Great Commission, when he said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Amen. And this is exactly what they did. And this is confirmed later in, in their epistles. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, John writes this. This is later in his life when he's an old man. And he writes, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Peter writes in his second epistle, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 19, he, he speaks about the day when they were on the mountaintop and they saw Jesus transfigured. He writes this, For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory, when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice, which came from heaven, when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. That, too, was written at the end of Peter's life. So all their lives, they talked about Jesus. They taught about Jesus. They shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. They didn't care what it cost them personally, as long as they could get the message out. You know, it's really ironic that the Sanhedrin was forbidding the apostles to speak in Jesus' name because it was in the name of Jesus that the man had been healed. Hmm. 
So Peter and John took their stand. And after they were strongly admonished and threatened, they left. Where did they go? As the scripture says, they went straight to their own people, their relatives and friends in Christ, reported everything the council had said to them, and then immediately turned together in prayer to God. This prayer made three observations of who God is and three specific prayer requests. So the three observations are this. Number one, that he is the God of creation. He is the one who made the heavens, the earth, and the sea, and all that is in them. He is the God of revelation. And Peter quotes from Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, which is known as to, to be a messianic psalm, in other words, a psalm that prophesies about the coming Messiah, Peter quotes. And this psalm that makes direct reference to God's Son, who we now know by name, and that name is Jesus. He's also the God of history. They made reference to both the testimony of David in the past and also the immediate uh, Uh, most recent history, the work of Herod, Pontius Pilate, Gentiles, and Israel when they crucified Jesus. And then they made three key requests. The first is that they prayed that God would consider the threats made against them if they were to continue talking about Jesus. They just implored God to be very aware of what was taking place, to be very mindful of the threats, because um, things are going to change and they're going to be different from now on. Second request is they asked that God would enable them to speak his word with boldness. And this is key. They prayed for boldness, not for deliverance from persecution. The disciples had counted the cost and felt it was far more important to obey the Great Commission, but they would need boldness from on high to do this, as it will cost them dearly. They needed power from God. And the third request is that God would continue to stretch out his hand to heal and to perform miraculous signs and wonders in and through the name of Jesus. It's been described as miracles of mercy. And why would they pray this? Because it was the miracles that confirm the testimony of Jesus. It's kind of like the exclamation point to the, to the gospel message. Miracles are good, and they are a blessing, and they are comforting and helpful. But for the purposes of the gospel, they confirm that what the apostles are telling the people is truth, because only God can do a miracle. This time, they got off with a stern warning from the Sanhedrin. But according to Jewish law, 
If there was a second offense, they would be beaten with rods. That would explain why they prayed for boldness. To obey Christ's command, the Great Commission, will indeed cost them dearly. Someone once said, Peter and John's zeal for the Lord was so strong that they could not keep quiet even when threatened. If your courage to witness for God has weakened, pray that your boldness may increase. Remember Jesus' promise in Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 through 33. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. That is a scary thought. And it should give us... Um, it should give us the inspiration to be bold in our testimony. In verse 31 of our passage, it tells us that in answer to this prayer, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. There is something here we need to understand. The disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And that filling made Peter a bold preacher and evangelist of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But this filling that's spoken of on this day was actually a refilling or a refreshing, a refreshed outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which aided them to become even bolder than they had already been. We too need that refreshing of the Holy Spirit day by day if we are to boldly live for Him, serve Him, and proclaim His gospel truth. Ask Him. Ask our Lord to pour out His Holy Spirit upon you afresh and anew today. He will hear and answer that prayer, and you will be strengthened and encouraged in your spirit. Dr. Ironside made this following observation. We have listened to Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost. We have heard him preaching after the healing of the lame man. Now we have heard him again as he stood before the Sanhedrin. And in every inst instance, he preached the same gospel as the Apostle Paul preached later on, how Christ died, was buried, and rose again from the dead. To Peter, it was given to preach the gospel to the Jews, and to Paul, it was given to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, but it was given to both of them to preach the gospel. This is the message that has also been given to us today, that Jesus lived and died, paying the price for our sin, he rose from the dead for our justification and has ascended on high where he sits at the right hand of God ever interceding for us. And one day soon, he is coming back. Are you ready to see him? Jesus has given to us that call 
to be his witnesses, to make disciples, to teach them the scriptures, everything that Jesus taught his disciples, everything he has taught us, we are to pass on to others. This is the challenge, this is the call, and we are living in a day when it will become increasingly more difficult. So count the cost. Consider the call. Pray as the apostles prayed for boldness, boldness to speak, boldness to stand in the confidence of the truth of the Word of God. Well, as I close today, let me pray for you a beautiful prayer out of Ephesians chapter 3 that I just love, and it's my prayer for you today. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and height and depth, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Well, until next time, my friend. May our loving God and Savior Jesus Christ continue to reveal himself to you and bless you with his joy and his peace.